previously on Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast. I wanted to be Clive Burr, who was my number one Iron Maiden member for a while in my top five Iron Maiden members list. He was always smiling in photos. Sometimes I'd talk to him in these photographs and I'd ask him questions to help me through life. Oh, um, just just remembered, uh, do you know anyone called Pamela Cartwright? No. Are you sure? Yeah, I don't know Pamela Cartwright. So you've never heard that name before? No. Officer Riggs whistled a merry tune as he cycled to the prison. He had had a marvellous breakfast of bacon, eggs, toast and black pudding. He had given up sausages for Lent, but was looking forward to a slap-up feast of sausages and chocolate eggs on Easter Sunday. Anyway, I've been doing some research as well. You know this Pamela Cartwright who claims that it was her that I wrote a poem about? Yeah. Well, she isn't real. She's a character off Grange Hill. Hello. I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. This week, I'm looking at the song Heaven Can Wait, which is track four on the Somewhere in Time album. Last week, I did an episode on Sea of Madness and I had some feedback on the show. The first thing I should say, though, is that Trevor's back this week, so uh, there'll be more of that later. But uh, I thought I'd get that in early, just in case you were a bit worried. But uh, on the subject of Pterodactyl Mark, who replaced him temporarily, I had a message from Don McIntyre, and he said he was surprised that I didn't ask what flavour the crisps were that he was eating while talking to me. Now, this is a good question and a good point, but uh, I was so distracted by it, the noise he was making and the disruption it caused, that I didn't really have time to think and bring this up. This happens when you go live sometimes. You don't think on the spot. It's quite difficult for me. Uh, But I did notice there were Doritos, which I mentioned, and they were the Blue Packet, which are known as Cool Original. And I like to think those are two words that you can describe my podcast as. I wonder if there are any other crisp flavours that you could use to describe my podcast. That's an interesting question. Also on the topic of Pterodactyl Mark, I had Joe Grant say that I described his bedroom in great detail. But yet, I didn't describe my own. Uh, Could you do that for me, please? Um, Okay, Uh, it's a bit weird, that request, but uh, that's fair enough. Uh, Well, there's a bed, and there's the IKEA curtains that I've mentioned before. Uh, I've got a chest of drawers in the corner with some pants and socks in. And I've said about some of those have got Wayne written on them, uh, and some haven't. Um, I've got a wardrobe with some board games in, and magazines and comics. I've got some action figures. Thinking about it, I'm probably not going to go into too much detail. But if you want more information on this, just send me a DM on Twitter, a direct message. Um, although I suppose that sounds a bit weird as well, a bit dirty, maybe. Anyway, heaven can wait. And uh, it opens with this strange noise, uh, similar to Caught Somewhere in Time, where that, there was that sort of buzzing synthy sound. Uh, on this, I think it's, uh, well, it's a synth noise or a guitar synth. Uh, But it isn't a flute, or strings, or a pipe organ. It's quite a low, I believe it's called a synth pad, um, and it sort of goes... So I suppose, from that impression, it's a cross between a didgeridoo and a bass synth. Although I haven't got any evidence, I do believe it is a synth, rather than Bruce making that noise like I just did. Here it is. 
You might have noticed that the bass and guitar come in as well with that sort of riff, that sort of And what I've noticed is if you take a pen or pencil crayon and tap on a sort of tin or nearby tub of Pringles, it sounds like this. Now that sounds familiar. In fact, it sounds like the opening to the song Passchendaele that they released years later. Let's hear the opening to that song. You can't tell the difference, can you? I wonder if Nico used a can of spaghetti hoops or a fray bentos pie with a pencil. Uh, that, that might have been interesting. Uh, there's not much written about that intro. People are more interested in the theme of the song and the lyrics, but I'd be interested to see if he used some sort of item from the supermarket. Just for Don McIntyre, I can confirm that the tub of Pringles that I used was the limited edition New York hot dog flavour. They're very nice. After that intro, the song kicks in and it's got a nice feel to it. I think you can add Heaven Can Wait to that semi-traditional label that I've invented, which I'm calling the longest song at the end of side one. We've already had 22 Acacia Avenue and The Duelists, which are both longer than you might think. They're not as epic as some other epics, but they're still quite epic. I'd say Heaven Can Wait has a similar feel to it, in that it's quite long, uh, but not overlong or particularly complex. It's 7 minutes 21 seconds. As you'd expect from the title, it's someone saying that death can wait. They want to put it on hold because they want to live a bit more first. And we've had similar themes to this before, haven't we? The state between life and death in purgatory and the man awaiting his fate in hallowed be thy name. He's not ready to go, is he? Not, not at the start, anyway. In Heaven Can Wait, we've got the lyrics... Looking down on my body below, I can't believe that really my time has come. I don't feel ready, there's so much left undone. So it's a bit of an out-of-body experience as death approaches. It was written by Steve Harris, who also wrote Purgatory and Hallowed Be Thy Name. So there's a bit of a link. It wasn't written by Adrian, which means that Adrian doesn't get all the solos in this song. And when we do get to the solo bit, it's Dave Morrow, then Adrian, as usual. The title's Heaven Can Wait, and that's what happens in the chorus. They just say, Heaven Can Wait, repeatedly. But then they say, Heaven Can Wait Till Another Day. That's the hook. But I ask the question, can it? Can heaven wait till another day? Can we avoid death or put it on hold? It's an interesting question. I don't think death is like a dentist appointment that you've been dreading, but you've managed to delay blaming COVID. Uh, I don't think we can control our own fate in the same way. Mm. These are quite important and interesting questions, but these weren't the ones I was asking when I heard the song as a nine-year-old. I prefer to think about bedtime being the end rather than death. Uh, This was it, the end of the day, and I wanted bedtime to wait. I was fed up of going to bed after EastEnders had finished. But these were the rules. So I learnt at an early age there are rules with bedtime and there are rules with death. And I don't claim to understand either of them. I did know about existentialism though, although I didn't know it was called this. Basically, it just means that you influence your future by your choices. And I could see this at an early age. 
Did I tell the teacher about Thomas Spencer or not? I recognised the power of choice and what might happen if I did certain things. Sometimes you don't act by thinking things through though, like when I dropped a stink bomb in the school corridor. I knew this was wrong. I sneaked it out of the cupboard of confiscated items and I agonised for a few seconds with it in my hand. All of the possible consequences of me throwing it flashed before my eyes, but before I could rationalise it, I just threw it. I was out of control. It's not something I'm proud of, and I feel this this podcast is a bit of a confessional, so I don't mind admitting it to you. I did admit it to the headmaster, and as punishment, I had to write a letter of apology to the school janitor, and I didn't think he'd appreciate an analysis of fate and existentialism in this letter. So I just said, I hoped he didn't use up all his disinfectant. He never answered this letter. At the start of the show, I mentioned that Trevor's back. And even better news, Adrian's back with a new chapter from his book. Hi, this is Adrian Smith. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for the kind comments and asking when I'm coming back to do a reading. Obviously, I've I've been busy lately and I've been away for a few episodes. And Yes, perhaps those episodes did suffer a bit. A bit like those albums in the 1990s which suffered when I left the band. Hopefully, like my return in 1999, uh, my return here will bring similar results and uh, bring the podcast back to its former glory, like it did with Iron Maiden. I'd like to thank everybody for the nice things I've read about on the Twitter, uh, about my new album with Richie. It's nice to be releasing new music again. Um, But uh, I know know you're here for the book, the children's book, so I better get on with it. And uh, here you go. Here's the latest chapter. Chapter 6. More Mystery Officer Riggs was asleep in his armchair. It was Easter Sunday, and he was back on the sausages after giving them up for Lent. For lunch, he'd had a splendid platter of mixed herb sausages, and he'd really enjoyed cutting the meat and licking the gravy. He'd also started on the special Easter egg he'd bought from the new shop. He vaguely remembered buying it. He didn't go into the shop for an Easter egg, but the shopkeeper had been very persuasive. Special mystery filling, it said on the box and Officer Riggs was delighted to find that the first mouthful tasted of a family holiday to the Isle of Wight in the mid-1960s. The second mouthful tasted of a drifter chocolate bar, which you couldn't buy in the shops anymore. This was marvellous, and Officer Riggs made many approving noises as he broke off another piece of chocolate. The third mouthful was quite strange, though. It tasted of Egypt. Officer Riggs didn't know why it tasted of Egypt. He'd never been there. This was the last thing he thought of, before he blacked out. The boys were enjoying their Easter holiday. They had not had much excitement since the village festival, but still none of them had been in the new shop. In fact, they didn't know anybody who had. Maybe I should go and have a look round the back of the shop, and perhaps go fishing for some information, said Adrian, chuckling at his joke. But nobody laughed. The boys recalled the grand opening event, the crowd a sea of madness trampling on Officer Riggs's bunting. They had not seen the owners since. Perhaps you should knock on the shop door, said Bruce. Rat-a-tat-tat, said Nico, banging his drum. Everyone stared at Bruce. Whenever anyone had approached the shop, they turned back on seeing the closed sign on the door. Perhaps, yes, if they knocked on the door, they might get to speak to the owners or even be allowed in. Great idea, said Steve. I'll do it, said Yannick, jumping to his feet. No, said Adrian quickly. Why don't we hide in a nearby shrubbery and I can use my fishing rod to hook onto the door knocker 
and then make it knock. Everyone cheered and patted Adrian on the back. Hooray and hurrah, they all chorused. Later that day, the six boys were sat in the shrubbery, trying not to look suspicious. Try not to bang your drum, Nico, said Bruce. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves. The shop was just across the street, with a sign on the door saying closed. I've just had a thought, said Dave, looking serious. What is it? asked Steve. Well, when the door knocks and someone answers it, we won't be there to speak to them. Hmm, said the others, and Nico didn't bang his drum. I've just thought of something else, said Dave. What? said Steve. The door doesn't have a knocker, he said, pointing. It's a doorbell. Hmm, said the others, and Nico didn't bang his drum. I can't press that with my fishing rod, said Adrian, looking disappointed. They all stood up from the shrubbery, ready to walk home. Their sudden movement startling a passing fishmonger. I'm just going to press it, said Yannick. No, said Adrian, but it was too late. Yannick was skipping towards the door. The boy sank back down to watch him through the bushes, their mouths open wide. The boy pressed the doorbell. The door opened. They could not see who it was that Yannick was talking to. Yannick entered the shop. The door closed. Officer Riggs awoke in his armchair and looked at the clock. It was 2am. He'd been asleep for over ten hours. What had happened? He didn't remember much. He noticed the empty plate near him and recalled his sausages with a chortle. He then saw the Easter egg, half eaten. He didn't remember eating this, but clearly he had eaten too much. He walked across to the bedroom, mind all confusion, and then he noticed that somebody had been in there. The room was all topsy-turvy, with items moved about. He noticed his art folder was sat on the bed, with all of his sketches spread out on the duvet. On top of the mess was a handwritten letter. I've mentioned the similarities between this song and some other songs by Steve Harris. And in the lyrics again, he says, there's no fear of dying, which reminds me of the line in Hallow Be Thy Name, where he says, after all, I'm not afraid of dying. There's some other cultural references that Steve Harris has predicted. The line, I see a tunnel, I stand amazed at all of the people standing there in front of me. That's a bit like a scene in the new Disney film called Soul, where the main character is on a staircase on his way to heaven and he sees others queuing in front of him. I wonder if Steve Harris will sue Disney. There's a bit that confused me as a boy, where Bruce repeats a line. Looking at the lyrics, it says, But I have never felt, no, I have never felt this way before. And I wondered why he did repeat this. Um, Sometimes repetition is good, isn't it? To make it more catchy. But he doesn't do this in later verses. Uh, So I wonder if Steve Harris ran out of ideas. But this is only the third line, so that's disappointing. Maybe it's sort of, he's got a problem, like a speech impediment. But like a character off Coronation Street that came later. Uh, I wonder if Steve Harris will sue Coronation Street. After a couple of verses and choruses, there's a nice change of rhythm. As uh, Bruce says, take my hand. So up to now, Bruce has been talking about himself, or the I in the, in the lyrics. That person who is awaiting death or, and, and saying, I don't want it to happen yet. So take my hand there is uh, asking you to join him in this limbo. And I remember that he asked us to join him in the pool in still life. Uh, I wonder if, after we've had that experience with him, can we trust him? After this, you get this oh 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 section 
which is lots of people saying oh 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 in a sort of tuneful way and uh, it's like a sing-along and on stage when they play it live they get the backing crew or random people on to join them it's a nice sing-along for the crowd on the sleeve note it says that these backing vocals were performed by the Teehee Bar Amsterdam mob so whether they were just some random drinkers they picked up from a nearby pub and got them into the studio to record, I don't know. Um, interestingly, the Tuhi Bar features on the back cover of the album sleeve. I wonder how they discussed the idea for getting a mob in to do these vocals. Right, I want this section to sound like a football crowd. How can we do it? Well, maybe we could just record ourselves doing many takes and then we could multi-track it and adjust the EQ and the panning and the reverb levels on each take so it sounds like a crowd, that chorus effect, you know, so so that would be quite a good way of doing it. OK, any other ideas? Bruce? Oh, he's disappeared again. What's that, Nico? Go down the pub and see if there's a group of lads who might want to come back and record it in exchange for a few points. Davey's smiling. So yeah, let's go with that. Hmm. The solo in this is quite a change of pace and tempo, it seems. Uh, it sort of seems a bit out of control. And Dave Morey does a great job with it, especially if you can find it live in 1986. If you can find footage of it, you'll notice that Eddie comes on stage during this part. And this is exciting, because I saw this on the Somewhere in Time tour, which was called the Somewhere on Tour. Eddie coming on the stage was quite a highlight for me when I used to watch videos of the band live. And this makes sense. I think it's quite normal for a boy to focus on this, rather than making maybe top five members list in a scrapbook or talking to Clive's photo on the back of the Killers album sleeve. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now, and uh, I know for a fact he's going to answer because we've had crisis talks this week, and uh, we'll find out a bit more about that. Um, but uh, yeah, let's not delay and let's uh, see what he's up to. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? Yeah, fine, thanks. Good to be back. Yeah, well, I think everyone will be pleased you're back. Um, so, yeah, any comments on that? Any any apologies to make to people for being missing? No, I think uh, listeners will understand why I didn't turn up last week or, or didn't answer the phone, rather, because obviously I can't turn up, can I? Because I'm not allowed there. No, that's right. Um, but, yeah, I still think it's disappointing. Uh, it's a bit like pulling a sickie from school and getting your mum to cover for you. That's how it seemed to me, anyway. Well, yeah, but we've also had a chat about how you treat me, and straight away, we, we, we've got some issues. OK, well, yeah, let's um, talk through then what, what's going to happen in the future. But first of all, I think we should try and get to the bottom of it. Um, were you around Michael Patterson's house? No. Where were you then? I, I was with my girlfriend. A girlfriend? Yeah. I'm going out with Pamela Cartwright. What, the, the beast in your poem? No, she wasn't the beast. That was just a joke. She she just tweeted in to wind you up. Okay, but I also remember that you said that Pamela Cartwright was a fake name. She was in Grange Hill or something. Yeah, well, sometimes people share their names with famous people. Okay, well, uh, congratulations on, on having a girlfriend. Um, how does she feel about the French trip that you keep mentioning? I mean, have, have you got over that now or something? Yeah, well, I think listeners will be aware of this, even though you keep bringing it up. You keep bringing it up. No, I've got over it. Remember, there was a poem where it said 20 years, 7 months 
and 27 days. And from the French trip to that point, that was over 10 years ago. Okay. I've mentioned other women in my poems. Veronica Edwards in 22 Acacia Avenue and Belinda Hargreaves in 2 Minutes to Midnight. Okay, I don't remember those. Yeah, well, when you get to our age, you're going to have a past. You're going to have girlfriends. Well, some of us will. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing. Okay, well, that's nice. Uh, does she like Iron Maiden? No. Why are you going out with her then? Well, you don't have to be the same. You can like different things. Well, do you have any shared interests? Does she like Dr Faustus? I don't know. I haven't asked her. Well, come on. Well, that's not in the top ten questions, is it? To ask a new partner. You don't put that in your dating profile online. Must have read Dr Faustus. Okay, well, well, anyway, what I think... I mean, I'm sure listeners have got lots of questions, but the main one is, how can we be sure you're not going to swan off around there again when it's time to speak to me for the podcast, leaving lots of people in the lurch and unhappy? Well, we've agreed now, haven't we, that you're going to treat me more fairly, and uh, I suppose you're going to read those out in a minute, the ideas. Yeah, okay. Well, luckily for listeners, some of the ideas Trevor's come up with in the past, uh, I haven't agreed to, um, but yes, there will be some changes. He's going to have a... Thursday Takeover on the Ko-Fi page. So it'll be Trevor's Thursday Takeover, where I've allowed him to write a post on there. So that'll be nice. And also to give the section more structure, because normally he comes up with a bit of detail and does a poem. There's also going to be Trevor's Three Questions, where I ask him three questions about the song or other things. So I'll be doing that in a minute as well. So not nothing too drastic, um, but uh, yeah, hopefully that will keep Trevor happy and uh, you, the listener, happy. Anyway, Heaven Can Wait, uh, what do you think about this song? Yeah, I like it. I think it's uh, pretty good. Um, live favourite. And some themes we've seen before, like Limbo. Um, we talked about that in other episodes. And then he offers him Eternal Youth. Uh, a bit like in Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Oh, come on. What's the matter? Okay, well, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I like this song because it reminds me of being a boy. I used to change it to Trevor Can Wait. What do you mean? Well, it'd be like this, wouldn't it? Trevor Can Wait. Trevor Can Wait. Trevor Can Wait. All right. We get the idea. Yeah, well, I used to sing it because it's something my mum said. Because I'd always say, I can't wait. But she'd say, you can wait. So I'd say things like, I can't wait for pudding. And she'd say, you can wait. Because I had to eat all my sausage and peas first. Okay. And then on Christmas Day, I'd say, I can't wait to open my presents. And she'd say, you can wait, because I had to wash my hands and face first before I could open them. Okay, yeah. And then I used to say, I can't wait for Friday, because the milkman brings us pop. Um, Do you remember? I always thought it was strange that you got better pop than us. You used to get cherryade and dandelion and burdock, and we just got orangeade. Why was that? I think, yeah, I think my mum had a, an arrangement. Oh, OK. Yeah, well, I still can't wait for things. I can't wait for the record shops to open. I can't wait for Eurovision. All right, yeah, well, we get the idea. I've recorded me singing Trevor Can Wait over the song. Do you want me to play it? No, thank you. Maybe it could catch on with listeners, like your Transylvania did. No, I don't think it will. As I've mentioned, Trevor's negotiated a, a bigger part for the podcast, but not too big. Um, but basically, the important bit for me was no more poems about the French trip, unless he requests this in writing three working days before the podcast release date. 
And then I also have the authority to reject this request. But let's do the three questions then. Uh, I've got three questions for Trevor. Um, so uh, are you ready? Yeah. So if I ask you a question and then you answer it, or shall I ask all three questions in advance? No, no, just do one. Okay. So if I ask question number one and then you answer it. Yeah. And then if I ask question number... Yeah, okay. We've got... We know what's going to happen. Okay, these are based on the song Heaven Can Wait or the theme. Number one, have you ever had a near-death experience? No. Number two, do you believe in heaven? No. Number three, is this the best Steve Harry song on the album? No. Well, that was rubbish, wasn't it? What point of that? One word answers. Well, yeah, we didn't give me time to elaborate. Okay, well, go on then. Elaborate. Well, I'm not going to go into my beliefs on life after death and heaven because that's a whole new podcast. Um, the best Steve Harry song on the album, well... It's not even the best so far. Caught Somewhere in Time was better than this, in my opinion. So uh, it's not the best one on the album, so that was quite easy. Okay, well, thanks for that. Um, Obviously looking forward to your blog post on Ko-Fi on Thursday. Um, So we're still going to do poems though, aren't you? So uh, do you want to do your poem? Yeah, you ready? Yeah. I now know heaven can wait. Now that I've found you, Pamela, I'm a first-class traveller on the carriage of love. Like the eagle and the dove, my heart flies high. Like a cake mix on a spatula, you are all I need, Pamela. Why? You are you, you touched? Not really. Um, I feel a bit sick, if I'm honest, but... Uh... Maybe too many Pringles. Right, so uh, probably best we don't discuss that. Um, I think it's pretty obvious what, what it's about. Yeah, I'm comparing heaven to a love relationship. Well, I think you can just say relationship. You don't have to say love relationship. That, that makes it sound like some sort of reggae song. Well, you, you, you might mock these poems, but clearly the listeners prefer this. I mean, what were the ratings like with Pterodactyl Mark? Well, that's none of your business. Um, they, they weren't anything concerning. And I best we don't talk about him. I've had a few missed calls. So, uh, yeah, n- need to move on. Uh, we've got you for the rest of the series, hopefully. Well, well, I, I acknowledge to everybody that sometimes I am a bit sharp or short with Trevor, mainly because I've got a podcast to run and I've got a time limit. Sometimes things go on a bit, and I know I can go on a bit, as we all can. We're talking about Iron Maiden, something we're passionate about. So there can be unexpected things that come up in conversation. Although I was hoping that Trevor might say more about those three questions. So I'll have some questions for next week, uh, which is the loneliness of the long-distance runner. Okay. And, uh, yeah, if you can get a poem as well. And, uh, of course, I'm looking forward to your blog post. Yeah, me too. Uh, I've got to send it to you first, haven't I, before it gets published? Yes, that's right. That was in the agreement. Um, Anyway, it's uh, good to have you back, Trevor, and... Actually, it's the 60th episode, uh, which is very interesting. I haven't mentioned that yet, but uh, while you're on the phone. Uh, yeah, so 60 episodes of Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast. And, uh, well, 60 featuring me, uh, maybe 59 for other people. Well, all right. Well, I was in the episode last week, in the beginning bit, the sort of recap. And anyway, you haven't been in 60 episodes. What do you mean? You weren't in the Dennis Stratton compilation at Christmas. Oh, oh okay. So, yeah, try and get one up on me. Um, it's, it backfires as usual. 
All right, sorry, Trevor. Uh, but yeah, anyway, course of celebration, 60. That's a, is that diamond anniversary? Well, I know it's not been 60 years. Um, maybe to some people it's felt that way. Uh, anyway, Trevor, thanks for that, and I'll speak to you next week. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Right, well, yeah, find me on social media, uh, at Wayne Maiden on Twitter. You can find me elsewhere, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, yeah, Ko-Fi, as we've mentioned, it's ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. And, uh, yeah, we'll have Trevor updating that page this week and hopefully future weeks. Um, we've had a few photo bombs from Paul Diano recently. Uh, I haven't heard from him for a while, but uh, with it being somewhere in time, he's going back to old photographs, popping his head in and uh, coming back or going somewhere else. But uh, I believe they're only temporary, so, yeah, eventually those photographs will be back to the traditional photographs we all know and love. So uh, I don't think it's too malicious. So look out for those. Uh, I had a few messages. Um, we've had uh, a message from Sarah Jane Smith, and she says that she went to a shop for some blancmange and uh, could only find jelly, angel delight, and some ready-to-make trifle. And she asks, do they not sell boxes of blancmange anymore? Um, okay, well, uh, just to let you know, uh, this is an Iron Maiden podcast. And uh, while we may have mentioned puddings and blancmange in, in poems and things, uh, it's not actually... Uh, my, my area of expertise um, and yes I've done shopping lists as well to the tune of the Ides of March but I don't think Blamange was on that even in the 80s so uh, I don't know the answer to that Sarah or Sarah Jane and uh, hopefully maybe I'll have a look next time I'm in the shops so yeah I, I don't know the answer but I hope you can still get boxes of Blamange that would be disappointing yet another thing that they've taken from us well, that's Heaven Can Wait. Um, it's uh, looking at the, the list of songs. It's the 12th most played song live, which is quite a surprise. Um, probably placed too highly, in my opinion. Um, it's up there. It's ahead of Phantom of the Opera, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, Aces High, and Revelations, and loads of other songs, of course. So that seems wrong. Uh, it's a good enough song, and I suppose that sing-along bit in the middle was uh, a bit of fun. But uh, they were doing that in other songs, Running Free, Sanctuary. Because of that, I, I get the impression it's an overrated song, although I don't think it's rated that highly. I don't think Iron Maiden fans would say it's their 12th favourite song, for example. It might make the top 20 or 30, but uh, I don't think it's in many people's top 10. I think it's a good enough end to side one, and I'm looking forward to tackling side two in the next four episodes. Uh, so yeah, you can join me next week for The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. So I'm looking forward to that, and I shall leave you with some Heaven Can Wait, and I hope to speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.